Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast. Still talking about Wordsworth. Apologies that it's taking so long. Um, we must be nearly there, right? Actually, I'm not sure how many more Wordsworth poems we've got. Let's have a look before we kick off into the next thing. So we read Ode was the last one we read. That's quite long. Where is Ode? Excuse me while I just scroll away here. The World Ode. Okay. Yep. So there is Desideria. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Let's do it. Let's finish Wordsworth today. The world is too much with us. I really like this one and it's still a propos. Wordsworth criticises the world of the first industrial revolution for being absorbed in materialism and distancing itself from nature. He would be appalled at the world's current state. Imitations of immortality from recollections of early childhood. This one is long. Wordsworth is conveying a point of view in this ode. Per Wikipedia, the first four stanzas discuss death and the loss of youth and innocence, and the second four stanzas describe how age causes man to lose sight of the divine, and the final three stanzas express hope that the memory of the divine allows us to sympathise with our fellow man. The poem relies on the concept of pre-existence, the idea that the soul existed before the body, to connect children with the ability to witness the divine within nature. As children mature, they become more worldly and lose this divine vision. Wordsworth praises of the child as the best philosopher was criticised by Coleridge and became the source of later critical discussion. Quite a beautiful point he's made there. And, um, yeah, kind of makes me, I don't know, I'm not going to say it makes me sad, but it feels poignant, you know? Like, I need to stop and smell the roses. Or, like, just, I don't know, go camping or something like that. So I can really force myself to reconnect with nature. As cheesy as that might sound. When I got home from the hospital with Toby, um, you know, he was, by this point, two days old, I guess. We'd been in the hospital. And then we went from the hospital, we went down the elevators, which went straight down into the car park, put him in the car and drove home. And we parked in our driving garage. And it was at that point that I kind of realized that he'd never yet been outside. You know, he just never really, he never had fresh air, like, because he'd gone from inside to inside to inside to inside. So before I took him into a house, I, I I left the garage door open and opposite our house is some really nice trees and, you know, every kind of Aussie bird you could name. And if you just stand out the front of our house, it's a very quiet street and a very quiet area and it's right near, you know, bushes and reservoirs and it's a really nice spot. So if you just stand there, you can just hear about, you know, 20 different types of birds at the same time if you really listen. And, I don't know, I was excited to be, like, I had this feeling of, like, you kind of experience everything through a newborn's experience again. 
So I was very aware that like he's probably never really even heard birds before and he's never had fresh air before and he's never felt, you know, the sun on his skin and all, all this just being outside in general was new. So we just kind of, I put his little car seat, you know, the little, what's it called? Um, car seat thing that you pull out, capsule pulled it out and rather than just taking him inside and you know putting him on the bench I just put him down in our sort of in our driveway and out looking over at the trees and I sat there with him for just for two minutes maybe and my partner came out and was like what are you doing I just explained that to her I was like I don't know he's never he's never been outside before so we're just you know listening to the birds Dissideria is today's first poem Surprised by joy, impatient as the wind, I turn to share the transport. Oh, with whom? But thee, deep buried in the silent tomb, that spot which no vicissitude can find, love, faithful love, recalled thee to my mind. But how could I forget thee? Through what power, even for the least division of an hour, have I been so beguiled as to be the blind? To my most grievous loss, that thoughts return, was the worst pang that sorrow ever bore, Have, save one, one only, when I stood forlorn, knowing my heart's best treasure was no more, that neither present time nor years unborn could to my sight have heavenly face restore. Valedictory Sonnet to the River Duddon I thought of thee, my partner and my guide, as being passed away, vain sympathies, for backward, Duddon, as I cast my eyes, I see what was and is and will abide. Still glides the stream, and shall forever glide. The form remains, the function never dies. While we, the brave, the mighty, and the wise, we men, who in our morn of youth defied, the elements must vanish, be it so, even enough, if something from our hands have power to live and act and serve the future hour. And if, as towards the silent tomb we go, through love, through hope, and face transcendent dower, we feel that we are greater than we know. Mat- m- mutability. From low to high doth disillusion climb and sink from high to low, along a scale of awful notes whose concord shall not fail, a musical but melancholy chime which they can hear who meddle not with crime, nor avarice, nor over-anxious care, truth fails not, but her outward forms that bear the longest date, do melt like frosty rhyme, that in the morning whitened hill and plain, and is no more, drop like the tower sublime, of yesterday which royally did wear his crown, of weeds, but could not ever sustain some casual shout that broke the silent air, or the unimaginable touch of time. The Trossachs. There is not a nook within this solemn past, but where an apt confessional for one, taught by this his summer spent, his autumn gone, that life is but a tale of morning grass, withered at eve from scenes of art which chase that thought away, turn and with watchful eyes feed it mid nature's old felicities. Rocks, rivers, and smooth lakes more clear than glass, untouched, unbreathed upon thrice happy quest. If from a golden perch of aspen spray, 
October's workmanship to rival May, the pensive warbler of the ruddy oppressed, that moral sweetened by a heaven-taught lay, lulling the year with all its cares to rest. Speak. Why art thou silent? Is thy love of a plant of such weak fibre that the treacherous air of obscene of absence, of absence withers what was once so fair. Is there no debt to pay, no boon to grant? Yet have my thoughts for thee been vigilant, bound to thy service with unceasing care. The mind's least generous wish amend decant. For naught but what thy happiness could spare, speak though this warm, soft, warm heart once free to hold. A thousand tender pleasures, thine and mine, be left more desolate, more dreary, cold. For then a forsaken bird's nest filled with snow, mid its own bush of leaveless eglantine, speak that my torment, that my torturing doubts their end may know. Oh, that was a bit rough, but we got there. Apologies for. Crappy reading on that, especially on that last one, but we did it. Hey, that's all of the words worth done. Brilliant. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you tomorrow.